Well, good morning, Bridge City Church, White Oak. Let's give God a great big hand. Can we do that together? Come on, let's just thank him this morning. God, we're just so grateful. Wow, so awesome to be with you. So, so good to be with you. I hope you're having a good morning, and it's about to get better. How many of y'all believe that? Come on, I believe today is going to help us all take another step in our faith journey of becoming more like Jesus, and that sounds like a good plan. Hey, you picked a great day to be with us. Um, We're talking a lot about generations, and we're talking a lot about what does it take for a church to be generational and value marriage and value family, something that our world does not value at all in today's day and age. Now, speaking of generations, I always like to do this, and I like to just see kind of who's in the crowd today. And so um, how many of you all are either in your 20s or under, 20s and under, 20s and under, very, very good, good deal. How about in your 30s? Anybody in your 30s? Yeah. Okay, very good. How about 40s? Yeah. Okay, how about 50s? Yeah, they rock. Come on. And um, how about 60s? Very good. Excellent. How about 70s and up? Great. Awesome. Very, very good. Awesome. Yeah, yeah. Awesome. Um, You know, I don't know if you know this or not, but different generations, they can irritate us. Does anybody relate to anybody not like you? Come on. Yeah. But, like, just think of it, like, to only relate to people just like you is, like, one of the most narcissistic things to do in the world, you know? But, but like, generations, we need generations in our life. We need people in different decades and different uh, generations with us because they help us. They help it grow us. And, and at Bridge City Church, we want to be a church of generations, That's what we long to be. We want to be that because we see such a great, great value in that. Now, where's my parents out there? How many of y'all parents out there? How many of you have ever said as a parent, I want my kids to have it better off than we did, right? Yeah, come on. How many of you ever said that or thought it? Yeah. Now, the key is if if we don't define what that better off is, We're going to hit the wrong target. And I want to help us today in our marriage and with family, like identify what it is we're really aiming at and what we're going to, like, you know, how are we going to get there? Okay. Now, I know some of you are ready to check out because you're like, I don't have kids. Maybe you're not married. It's not time to check out. It's a time to check in. Because listen, 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 this is good. I mean, it's all good, but this is really good. At some point in this calendar year, you are going to encounter somebody that's married or somebody that has kids. What's the chances of that? Pretty high. And you're going to need something to give them, okay? And so I'm going to help you know what to give them and how to help them, okay? Now, how many of you as a parent need all the help you can get? Yeah, our kids are grown, um, 25 and up, and, uh, and yeah, I, need, I still need all the help I can get. How many of you ever heard that African proverb, um, it takes a village to raise a child? Have you ever heard that? How many of you, really, you just want to know where that village is? Come on. If you, come on, you're like, where is that village? I want that village to help me. Come on. Well, I want you to look around and say, I found my village right here. Come on. Look around right now. Look around. Come on, look around and say, this is now your people. Come on. 
Come on, this is it. And we're going to help one another learn to do that. Now, when we talk about parenting, we talk about marriage, we talk about our future, it's easy to feel like a failure. But the Bible is filled with imperfect people. That's why I like it so much. I can relate, right? And, and, and so let's look at some of the popular Bible people. These are popular Bible people here. Let's look at this. David was an adulterer. Moses was a murderer. Abraham was a liar. Gideon was a coward. Jacob was a deceiver. Rahab was a prostitute. Mary Magdalene was demon-possessed. Samson was an alcoholic womanizer. James and John had bad tempers. Matthew cheated people out of money, and Paul hated Christians. Now, I'm not going to read that again and have you raise your hand for what you qualify, just for the record. I'm not going to do that. But how many of y'all can relate to something there? Come on, am I right? But, but God's not ruled by our past. And God's not ruled by your past. There's nothing in your past that can disqualify you from having a better future. In Jesus' hands here. This is it. So my marriage, Natalie and I will be married 34 years this October. And, um, and uh, yeah. 34 years, I was going to go somewhere. Um, marriage is a story. <laughs> marriage is a story. Our lives is a story of the mercy, grace, and redemption of God. It's a platform for the gospel because that's the gospel story. Mercy, grace, redemption, to be told. Our families are supposed to be a platform to tell the mercy, grace, and redemption of God. Not how great we are, but how great God is. And so that's the story that we want to tell. That's the gospel story. Now, if there was any area in my life that I needed the grace of God, it's in my marriage and family. Right? So here's a verse for you, 2 Corinthians 12, verse 9. My grace is all you need. My power works best in weakness. So now I am glad to boast about my weaknesses so that the power of Christ can work through me. This is hope. The grace of God working through me. I don't have strengths and weaknesses. I have weaknesses and more weaknesses. Because that's where Jesus shows up. Now, a couple verses before this one, this is where it, it kind of makes sense. In verse 7, even though I have received such wonderful revelations from God, so to keep me from becoming proud, I have been given a spouse. I mean, I've been given a thorn in the flesh. <laughs> Just pray for me. A I love you. A messenger from Satan to torment me. It keep me from becoming proud. Now, listen, listen, listen. Listen. You may think that your marriage is a thorn in the flesh, but it's not. And you may think your kids are messengers of Satan, but they're not. <laughs> the enemy is the enemy. And 
Your marriage has been designed and created by God and for God, and that's what he's going to redeem. And our kids belong to God. But it's easy for us to think of those things. But at Bridge City Church, we talk highly of marriage. We love marriage. We, we love families, and we speak redemptively to one another. But yes, we need the grace of God in our lives to tell his story. So today, I'm going to tell you a redemption story about a, somebody in the Old Testament named Jacob. But I first want to read to you in Psalms, in Psalms, Psalm 78, in the Old Testament, there's this psalm here, and it, it speaks of this. We will not hide these truths from our children. We will tell the next generation about the glorious deeds of the Lord, about his power and his mighty wonders. For he issued his laws to Jacob, and he gave instructions to Israel, his people. He commanded our ancestors to teach them to their children, so that the next generation. might know them, even the not yet born, and they in turn will teach their own. So each should set its hope anew on God, not forgetting his glorious miracles. I I thought that was exciting. (laughs) Yeah, like generations are at stake. And so we together in this room have a responsibility to generations. Even this week, learned a statistic that, that um, they asked kids who grew up in church when they got into their 30s that kept the faith, what was the things that helped them keep their faith? Actually, one of the top answers was, was grandparents that had faith. Isn't that interesting? So I know some of you are here and saying, oh, I'm just a grandparent. I, really, I mean, my job's done. No, it's not. And I know some of you are here saying, well, I'm older and I don't have kids or grandkids. Look around. Come on, look around because it's us now. We're your village. Come on. And we're going to do this together. So let me tell you Jacob's story. Ten chapters in the Old Testament, in the book of Genesis. First book in the Bible, Genesis. Ten chapters, 25 through 35. I can't read it all to you right now, but I'm going to tell you the story, and it's a good one. So Jacob's life. Jacob's life. Here's his story. Jacob means deceiver and supplanter. That's what it means, deceiver. So Jacob, he was the youngest brother of a set of twins. Esau was his oldest brother. So in that culture, the oldest male would have received the blessing, the the inheritance. Okay? So Jacob wouldn't have got, got that inheritance. He was the son of Isaac, grandchild of Abraham. Now, if you've never heard of Abraham in the Old Testament, pretty significant. Oh, Father Abraham had many sons. And many, yeah, sons and had Father Abraham. Come on, yeah. Yeah, yeah, so are you. There you go. Come on. I'm one of them, Yeah. And so Abraham's a, bit, a significant person in the Old Testament. Blessing. So that means Jacob was born in a significant line who had potential and promise. I want to tell you that every child that, that's born has potential and promise in God's eyes. Okay, you got to grab that. Okay, but unfortunately he was born to a fairly, a fairly typical family. His mom, Rebecca, liked to take control and his father, Isaac, let him. I want to speak to you right now. We live in a culture in a day and age in which 
Women love that they're seizing control. And men are passive and quiet. That is what we find in our culture, but that's not a biblical culture. And I want to speak redemptively to you today. That what God wants to do is restore the concept generationally, what he has in mind. That as a man, I'm not passive, I'm not quiet. Oh, whatever she says. Whatever she says, I got to do. No, whatever happened to have real conversations and valuing and honoring one another, right? We value and honor one another and bring glory to God. So I don't know how you grew up, but the way you grew up, it, it doesn't have to control the way you live now. See, Rebecca convinced Jacob to deceive her own husband so that Jacob could get the blessing that was due to Esau. So there was deception going on. So when she should have been teaching him integrity and honesty and all these things, what she taught him was how to be a deceiver and a supplanter. Do you know, I watch people all the time forfeit their children's future for, for, for the moment they're in right now. And they're teaching their kids all of these things, but not so here. She wanted, she wanted her son to have it better off, but she didn't define the better off, and look what happened. Deceived. That, that's what happened. So here's Jacob. Let's keep going with the story here. He runs from Esau. You know, when you steal an inheritance from somebody, it'll cause you to run. Am I right? How many of you ever stole? No, don't answer. Don't answer that. Don't answer that question. Don't, keep your hands down. Okay? I w- I've been told that when you stole stuff, you run. Okay? But he has an encounter with God. At that encounter with God, things change. And then he meets the love of his life. Yeah, he meets Rachel, the love of his life. But he goes and talks Rachel's father, his mother's brother. Yeah, Hollywood and Netflix couldn't write this kind of story. I'm just telling you that right now. They could. I mean, I'm serious. If you were, if you were flipping through reading, reading a movie and you had all this, you'd be like, that's too far-fetched. You'd be clicking the next one. No, this is in the Bible. And so he's deceived because what you sow, you reap. And this is what a generation needs to understand. Actions have consequences. Because he deceived, now deception came on him. And he had to work seven extra years to get the love of his life, Rachel. Okay? But instead of doubling down on the deception, he stayed and decided to do things God's way. Now, I want to let you know, some of you here today, you're under what may be called, like, there, there's two different names I'm going to use. Generational, sometimes the longer you are in Christendom, we use this term called generational curses. But just to help some of us understand, because that's a new term, how about generational bad habits? Yeah, the Mon Valley spirit. No, there is such a thing, I'm being honest. And we have learned some negative behaviors, but I want to tell you that you don't have to live according to the negative behaviors you grew up with. In Christ, we are new creatures in Christ. He redeems because we are a story of his mercy, grace, and redemption. Is anybody with me? 
so I don't have to live with that anymore. And that's what Jacob, he broke that off of his life. And just because there's certain ways and certain things that, that either I have done or that were done to me, I can break that. And today, God's speaking to some of you today regarding your children or grandchildren or, or even in your life and say, that stops today, no more. No, that stops today. I'm a new creature. I'm going to live a different way. That's what I'm going to do here. So the rest of the story, Jacob learns to trust God and stop taking things into his hands. He learned that life is better in God's hands. How many of you are still learning that one? Yeah, but not only that, he has this moment where he wrestles with God. In the Bible, it talks about this moment where Jacob wrestles with God. Now, let me just try to break this down. It says that that God initiated the wrestling. Do you know what we're really wrestling with in our lives? Who we really are in Christ Jesus. Jacob wrestles. Now, I'm going to tell you, there's going to be a time in your life, not if you wrestle, but when you wrestle. Not if you're challenged, when you're challenged, what are you going to hold on to at the end of? What I'm going to hold on to is my new identity. I am a child of God. I have been born again. I have crossed the bridge. The, my old life is my old life. And if I'm going to live a new generation, listen, it needs the mercy, grace, and redemption. My past isn't going to control me. My present is going to control me. And me holding on to my future isn't. God has my past, my present, and my future in his hands. See, this is what changes generations, but we need a new way to think. We need a new way here. So, he, so Jacob makes peace with God and accepts his new identity. Many of us in this room right now, we're wrestling with our old identity and new identity, and there's a wrestling match. And what I'm saying, you've got to hold on to God and say, I know who I am in Christ Jesus. Because that's at stake. That's what the generational uh, at, at being at stake right now is really all about. And it changed the trajectory of his future and family. That's as quick as I can tell you Jacob's story. Now, 10 chapters I covered there. But it's a story about redemption. And then God gave him laws and decrees so that he could tell his children, his children's children. And there was something being passed on right now. Everybody in this room longs to leave a legacy. Male and female, longs to leave something, longs to live something that matters beyond themselves. It's a desire we all have. So what are we going to do with this story? Let me tell you. Don't downgrade your dream of marriage and family to match your history. Let's upgrade your faith to match your destiny. Let's don't downgrade to get, your, get a hold. My history says this. This is what I feel. This is what culture says. I'll never get ahead. I'll never move ahead. We need to break that and say, nah, I'm going to upgrade my faith because I have a future and a hope, and it's on my children too. See, it's on. It's on us. That's why we're, 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 we're going to be intentional here. We're going to move forward. So I want to help you get some practical things in your life. How many of y'all want some practical help today? Yeah. I want to help you get some things. So, so generational truths. What are some generational truths? Here's the first one. The first one. My marriage, my family, and my future belong to God. 
How many of you realize that God makes a much better God than you do? Thank God, yeah. No, I'm serious, but this is something we all wrestle with. I want control. If as long as, you know, everything, you know, I used to say this a lot. Like when we'd be going somewhere, let's say, I'd say, I'm going to drive. I'm going to drive the car. I don't know why, but when I drive, things go better. But I'm a new man. I'm free. No, I'm serious. That really, what, well, I'm just being honest. It, it, it's a control thing. I'm, I'm just being honest with you. You know, it's control. So, so it's control. We want, we want to be in control, whether it's of our family, whether it's our kids, whether it's whatever it is. We just want control, control, control. That's what Rebecca did, and look what it got her. Deception. Forfeited a future. Years wasted. Are you with me? So we got to be willing to give it all back to God. I'm going to surrender this to God. I'm, an, I'm not an owner. I'm an ambassador, and I represent Jesus. And we need to put our marriage, our kids, and our futures back in God's hands. That's what we're going to do. Practically speaking, that's what we're going to do today. Because the generations are at stake. Generational truth, we need to be clear and intentional. Clear and intentional. Yeah, clear. Proverbs 22.6, train up a child in the way they should go. And when they're old, they will not depart from it. Now, many parents, and, and, and we used to teach this as a promise. If you just train your kids, send them to Sunday school, um, teach them a few little prayers, they're going to be perfect little angels. I'm being honest. We, we thought it was just a guaranteed promise. There's no guaranteed success. But I can tell you this, that word training means intentional. Are we still going to live intentional lives? In that word in Mark chapter 10, for this reason, for this reason, listen, a man shall leave his mom and cling to his wife, and the two shall become one. Listen, if we're not intentionally becoming one in marriage, then we're unintentionally becoming two. So what are we going to do intentionally, intentionally to become one? How can I be intentional? How can I be intentional? Let me give you some practical help. There are two, um, or actually three, podcasts listed on the screen right now. Family Life Today, Family Focus for Parenting, Family Focus for Marriage. And you're saying, well, I'm not married. Well, either A, if you think you, you're going to be married at any time, you, you need to keep getting good at it now. Don't wait. But two, you can remind people. Do you know my wife and I, Natalie, we, we lead a parenting group, not because, you know, we're perfect, not because we have it all figured out, because we want to be an encouragement and help parents. Because, listen, parenting's crazy these days. No, I'm telling you, it's crazy. we got to do something to help. So, we're regularly listening to podcasts on parenting. We're regularly listening to something positive. So we have some positive, positive things to give the next generation. Natalie still serves in children's ministry. And um, it's not nobody else will do it. No, she loves to do it. She wants to do it. She loves to have impact on generations. See, you don't get to a certain point and say, I've been there, done that. So, so this is a QR code. If you don't know how to get a podcast, hand your phone to somebody younger and say, please get this on my phone. 
okay, and you get that. But I'm telling you, intentionally start listening to the right thing. If you're in, if, when you go to a marriage group or parenting group that we host, you gotta, you got to listen to one podcast a week and you got to post about it. Because why? We, see, this is practical help. We need the positive thing coming in. Do you realize this world is crazy? It's jacked up. They don't value marriage. Remember, they talk down on marriage. They talk negative about marriage. Talk negative about kids. Oh, you're having a kid. Your life is over. <laughs> Times two. Times two now. Got married, your life got over, and now, now kids are really over. People say stuff like that. I mean, they speak negative things to you. Oh, man, life is, you'll, you'll, you'll never sleep again. You'll never sleep again. Baby's crying all night long. They don't cry all night long. And we got kids in their 20s. They don't cry all night long. As a matter of fact, they do. We don't hear them because they're in somebody else's house. I'm good, you know. It's like. But people do. They, they see, people have mixed up values. And we got to know what we stand for. My wife and I, we got married. I'm, it's like, oh, you're getting married. What are you doing that for? This is what people say. I, hear, I still hear people say, what are you doing that for? Well, I found a woman I can't live without. No, I'm serious. Like, come on. And then they, then they tell me that it say, that says things like this. They say, well, how's, the, how's sex with her? You having sex with her? I say, no. Say, well, why, why, why wouldn't you get, have sex before you get married? Don't you try a pair of shoes before you buy them? So I don't want a pair of shoes that have a lot of feet in them shoes before. I'm just telling you right now. Y'all good? Now, listen. Besides praying for my marriage, listen, I know that many of us have a past. And I know we've, we've made some bad decisions. Some decisions I made, some decisions were done to me. I'm not, I can't change your past. As a matter of fact, I can't go back and change one thing that happened to you in all your past. One decision, I can't. But you know what we can change? We can change our future. Because we have been redeemed by the blood of Jesus Christ. And what I'm trying to communicate to you is if we are going to live godly lives that honor God, we're going to stand out and be different. So let's get over the be different right now. How many of y'all, you're going to come to church next week? Most everybody. Good. Got you. Okay. Come on. Being, being practical. Practical, practical, practical. I'm trying hard here. Come on. Yeah. How about this? Get another practical point. How about this one? How about intentionally saying thank you? Study after study. I looked, at, looked them all up. Study after study in the Bible. Actually, one of them interviewed 40,000 couples that were married 30, 40 years. Do you know what one of the top things they said that, that helped the longevity of their marriage? They appreciated one another. Think about appreciation right now. Think how simple that is. Think how simple appreciation is. Thank you. What would our homes look like if we just became more appreciative of one another? So I, I want to help you do something practical this week. Are you with me? I want us all to say thank you out loud. You ready? Thank you. Y'all got it. 
No, I'm serious. Simple appreciate. Thank you. That meant a lot to me. Thank you. I appreciate that. Thank you. All of our homes, parents to kids, kids to parents, uh, spouses together, if we were just more appreciative to one another, life would be better. I want your marriage to have longevity and tell the story generationally. Are you with me? Okay. Seize the times. Drive time, dinner time, bedtime. These are the signs of the times. What are you doing with the signs of the times? Dinner time. Turn the TV off. Say, well, I live alone. Turn it off anyhow. <laughs> no, I'm saying like, like families, turn the TV off. Sit at the table. Do you know with your kids, the statistic actually has dropped. It used to be in the high 80s. It's down to about 70% now. 70%. If you'll just have dinner with your kids with the TV off five days a week, they have a 70% better chance at not doing drugs and alcohol. How many of y'all think that's a good odd to play? Come on. Just by talking, we're going to talk. We're going to sit down. We're going to communicate. Okay? How about... um, Drive time. Turn the radio off, and let me give you a word of the Lord. Here it comes. Thus saith the Lord thy God of Israel. Was that holy enough? (laughs) Take thy iPad away from thy child in the name of Jesus. Listen to me. I know what you're thinking. He don't understand. He's old. I know what you're thinking. It's okay. You can think that. But how about the statistics, statistic after statistic, and book after book is telling us what we're doing to a generation by handing them an iPad nonstop. I'm telling you, it's, it's just, the, the literature's out there. You don't even have to be a Christian to grab a hold of that one. Just don't do that. Have conversation. Be creative. Spend time. Are you with me? How about, the, how about, Do you know that 2%, I'm just talking about being intentional now, being clear with your kids. 2% of kids that grow grow up to go to college, only 2% are going to get a scholarship for sports. 2%. 100% of kids are going to stand before Jesus. But... Watching people forfeit the, their future, even financially to some degree, because they're so fixated on my kid's going to be one of the 2%. I'm not saying they can't be one of the 2%. I'm not saying they can't be. But I'm saying realize what we're up against now. Are we, are we forfeiting the future because we want something better for them right now? What I'm trying to challenge us on, or what are we really living for, and what will my marriage stand for, and what is my family standing for here? Do you know there are 140 million homes in the United States of America? What are the chances of yours being in better homes and gardens? Not real good. (laughs) Now you're saying, you should see my home. Not real good right now, yeah. Now, I'm not saying we shouldn't have neat, Clean, orderly homes. Absolutely yes. But the picture or the next generation is going to have in their mind is not did, did, did the curtains match the napkins at the dining room table. Never once have we ever said, what meant a lot to you as a kid? Oh, the curtains matched the napkins. Oh, my God. 
changed my life. <laughs> changed my life. Changed it all the way. No, I'm serious, but see, I've done a lot of funerals over the years. It's right up about 100, 100 funerals I've done. Never once has anybody at, in the funeral home said, wow, I, I wish my parents would have made more money. I wish they would have worked more. Never once has anybody said that. Never once, oh, I wish they would have done this or done that. No, what they want is what really, really matters in this world here. Generational truth, last one I want to give you here. Stop fighting with your spouse and kids and begin to fight for them. Our marriage and kids are worth the fight. This isn't a political statement. This isn't anything else, but I'm here because we're in church, and faith is important, and we're trying to figure this out. So we're going we're gonna, to we're gonna get good at this. A couple ways, um, uh, in just a few minutes, you're going to hear a beautiful story about marriage mentoring for marriages that maybe aren't doing so good that want to become good and good to better and better to best. You're going to have an opportunity to sign up. That's practical. I'm trying to give you something practical. Don't wait till things fall apart to get help. How about this fight in the right way? We're having this thing come up in a couple weeks called extravaganza. Real locally here. And, and we want you to come and serve. We want you to invite people. Matter of fact, I want, all the cards are on the seats. We want you to take this and we want you to invite all the kids you know in the most non-creepy way possible. Invite them to come. Okay? And then you say, well, I, I don't want to come. I... I I don't even like kids. Well, then we want you to come after and clean up. Y'all with me? No, I'm sorry. You can come and set up. But we want you to participate. But you know what we got to do? We got to stop fighting. We got to stop fighting with one another and for one another. And this is what I want to, this is what I'm landing here. We got to up our game, church. We gotta up the game. That's why at Bridge City Church, we speak redemptively about men being real men and women being honorable, women of dignity and respect. That's what we do here. There's no such thing as, oh, you're getting married. Oh, you're getting married, that's great. I wanna do everything I can to help you succeed. And we speak redemptively to one another. And we speak honorably to one another. And kids aren't a nuisance. Kids are a blessing from God. But I'm going to, I'm, I'm, I don't want to see Natalie as I'm fighting with her. We're fighting together. Just this last week, just a couple nights ago, had a rough day, a lot of things on my mind. I was not doing well. I was just struggling with some things. And she knew it. She listened to me. You know what she said to me at the end? She said, it's you and me together. She said, you and me together. That's all she said. Because it could have easily, you know how we all get, right? A little, little bickering, a little fight. We could have. We didn't go there. Because she knew that's all I needed, you and me together. 
together we're going to take this thing on. We're going to see a change. What would our marriages look like and our families look like if it was you and me together against, against a real enemy that wants to take us out? Come on, somebody. So I'm going to read, read one more verse to you. Nehemiah 4.14, there's disarray all around them, just like our world's in disarray right now. Am I right? Worlds are disarray, marriage, family, confusion, everything. So then as I looked over the situation, I called together the nobles and the rest of the people and said to them, don't be afraid of the enemy. We already declared who the enemy is, right? Right? Here we go. Remember the Lord who is great and glorious and fight for fight for your brothers and sons and your daughters and your wives and your homes. It's worth the fight. And so what I want to do is I want to speak to the men first because it starts with you. And I want to speak to every man that can hear my voice right now and say, will we at Bridge City Church be men that that will stand in faith in courage and in confidence of who we are in Christ and lead boldly, not because we're perfect, but because we're trusting God to take our true place and allow God to tell His story by His mercy and grace and redemption. So if you're a man in the room right now and you're saying, yeah, that's what I want. I just want you to stand to your feet right now. Just stand to your feet right now. That's all you're doing. Say, yeah, that's what I really want. And everybody who's sitting right now should be cheering for these men right now because they want to stand up for what's right and honorable and respectful and loving. Listen, honoring women, not being dictators, not being, you're there, some sort. that's wrong. And the men that I'm speaking to, I want to say to you right now, you have what it takes to do that. I know you got it. You have what it takes to lead your families and and stand up for what's right spiritually. You you can and you will. I know it. Not because you're so great, but because our God is so great. And I applaud you and I affirm you. And I say that you're men of God. That's who you were created to be. And yeah, you wrestle. Just hold on to who God says you are. Now, ladies, it's your turn. Do you want to be a woman of God known for honor and dignity? Stay standing, men. If you want to be a woman of God, then you're going to stand to your feet. If you're just saying, I just want to know what it means to be a woman of God. I want to honor God. I want want the generational story of my life to be that clear that, that she trusted God. She had faith in God. She encouraged other people to live their godly lives. Women... That's you. Come on, somebody. And so, guys, we ought to cheer them on, shouldn't we? So what we're going to do is we're going to fight for your brothers and your sons and your daughters and your wives and your homes. And ladies are going to fight for their husbands. And we're going to fight because it's worth the fight. It's worth a generational fight. Are you with me? We're in a fight. Men, we were created for a fight. You were created for this moment. We were created and God put us on this planet at this time in history for such a time as this. you got to grab a hold of that and believe that. 
So Heavenly Father, in Jesus' name, I pray for every person standing right now, God, that you would grant us the grace. Lord God, grant us your grace to tell your story of mercy and grace and redemption. Grant us, Lord God, your, your, your purposes, Lord God, in our lives. God, help us live this, God. Help us, Father. And God, we declare that a generation is going to tell a generation that's going to tell the next generation of the goodness, glorious greatness of God. In Jesus' name. Now, if you're here today and you, um, you don't have a day, a moment, or time when you ask Jesus to forgive you of your sin and your past and you ask Jesus to be in charge of your life, this is the first step of honor, asking God to take your future. You came to the right place because that's why God put Bridge City Church on the planet. This is why. To help people like you and me find our way back to God and live for Him. So if that's you today, and you're here today, and you don't know for certain where you'd spend eternity, but you'd like to know, this is it. Right now in this moment, God, I pray for every person here today that's struggling, even in this moment. Right now, Lord, I ask you, God, for those that just want to say, Jesus, forgive me, and Jesus, lead me. I want to be a follower of Jesus. If that's you right now, right here, right in this moment, I just want you to do something really simple. I just want you to slip up your hand to say, Pastor, that's me right here, right now. Pastor, that's me. God, I got to do it today. Anybody in the house today, this is, man, I got to do this today. Today is my day. Anybody at all, anybody at all, thank you, Jesus. If you, uh, if you don't raise your hand today, you can always fill out one of those cards and check it off. I want Jesus Christ to be the forgiver of my past and the leader to my future. We'll pray for you. We're going to encourage you in Jesus' name. Amen.